Hi there, it's Martin Wardle from Robson Laidler. Um, hopefully lockdown was not too bad for you all and hopefully you're not getting overloaded with information on how, how lockdown works and the various schemes and grants out there. Um, we've covered quite a lot the, the detail on how to work out furloughed payments, how you make claims and all of those things. One area that's often overlooked though is the HR side, the human resources side to this. So with me today is Nikki Masterman of Inspired HR. And we'll hopefully go through some of these things that you really need to be aware of. Hi, Nikki. How are you doing? Martin. You doing okay? Are you busy? I'm, I'm finding it extremely busy at the moment, as you can imagine, um, helping many clients on my list as well as not on my lists. Good. Well, we've got some questions here for you today. But I suppose the first, the first thing which um, you would think was pretty clear, but, but it has changed quite a lot, is... Who exactly can be put on furlough? Okay. So the information onto this has, has changed numerous times over the last few weeks. And I know I've had to send constant updates um, up on this because the updates go onto the website as well as HMRC, as well as ACAS, and sometimes they can vary. So the data and information on this has changed numerous times. But in essence, when you ask about whether somebody should be furloughed or not, the fundamental things that I've been saying to my clients is, um, is their job at risk? Could there have been a short term or a layoff? Has the business had enforced closure? Or can the person work from home? And these need to be considerations as to whether furlough would apply because you can't, you may be asked the question of, was their job at risk? Could they have worked at home? And they're two key fundamentals. Um, in addition to that, um, Things have changed in relation to people that are protected and having to isolate, um, people that are advised to isolate because they're high risk, and also people that have childcare demands. So the guidance around that has changed a lot in the last few weeks. And the guidance is very much you can, and the ones that are shielded should be furloughed. Um, so definitely keep up to date on the guidance around those particular things because they are changing constantly. I, th I think within all of those things, I think most people kind of understood or, or knew about the that there's no work for you to do. So the alternative was you'd be laid off, made redundant or, or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But what most people probably didn't realise there was the, the, the kind of the parental issues and the shielding issues. Of course, it's worth stressing though that you can't say I need to be at home to look after my children and then still do 40 hours a week whilst on furlough. You still can't do any work. Um, you know, there's a lot of shielded people who can work from home and are working from home. They, they can't be furloughed. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not just an automatic, you still have to have, do no work, don't you? Yeah, um, so ab absolutely. You've, you've got to be able to justify, if you ever ask the question by HMRC, was it a genuine case of furlough? or could that person work from home? And some fundamental changes that were done in the last week or two was that originally the guidance was that um, the person had to agree and sign a letter to say they agreed to be in furlough because it was a fundamental change to their contract of employment. Um, so they had to agree to it. However, what wasn't so blatant was that you had to have in there that they agreed to do no work for their employer. So even though we knew they shouldn't be working, it had to be, you know, just literally over a week ago, it was stated, it now has to state in their letter and they have to sign it, that they understand and acknowledge they have to do no work. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm on LinkedIn 
and I see many a person on there, and I think I've even seen one in black and white, pretty much say, I'm on furlough, but I'm trying to fill the order book ready for when I get back. I mean, that's work, isn't it? Selling is work. <laughs> Pitching, selling, yeah. building networks. I mean, it's, it's, it's all work, isn't it? So I, I, think, I think some people have got a funny idea about what work is. Um, so I think it's worth stressing to employers that if they know their employees are doing this, this isn't a good thing. It's the employer who will be hit when they can't recover their, their furloughed pay. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I've heard that HMRC will be opening a fraud line that enables um, employees and other people to report businesses that are abusing the system. Um, and, you know, certainly employees that feel aggrieved. And I had heard rumblings um, of some companies that were following the staff, but telling them they were still expected to work. So I'm sure some of those employees may be putting calls in to HMRC. Um, but you have to be really careful because social media is an open book now. HMRC and anybody else, and they have confirmed they will audit businesses for two years and look at this. They need to be whiter than white on this process because we all know they will take no prisoners if they spot anything or it's been reported that people are continuing to work and they've been furloughed because it's government money. Yeah, and ultimately it's worth bearing in mind the, the morality of this is that we all have to pay this money back collectively as a taxpayer base. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, you're not sticking it to the man, you're sticking it to us, everyone. Um, yeah. Nikki, if, if someone's poorly, then they should be on the sick, not on furlough, presumably. Absolutely. Um, there was recent guidance that, that said, um, if you're sick, you're sick. Um, and, and you cannot claim SSP when you're furloughed. Um, so I know there's been instances um, you know, where people at the beginning of this process um, fell ill with symptoms or they were isolating in a house with symptoms or, you know, th they were. And that's where they brought the SSP in claimable for the 14 days instead of after the fourth day um, yeah. or from the fourth day. Um, you know, and, and a, a few people did ask, can we be furloughed instead? Well, no, if you've got a sick note for 14 days because you had symptoms, that sickness should apply. Um, and then where there was no longer work and no requirement for them to work and they weren't able to work from home, they were then furloughed after that. Yeah, and, um, and that's a key point. Yeah. Again, you may be sick, but your employer may have work for you to do. So you can't claim furlough yeah. if there's work to be done. No, because again, furlough is not, furlough is not a free for all. It is about a genuine case where your job is at risk and there is no work for you. If your employer brings you back off furlough because they can no longer justify or meet the criteria that there is no work for you, then they will do that. If you are sick, you can't ask to go back on furlough. You're sick. You have to get a fit note from the online system and declare yourself sick if you're unable to work. Yeah. Another area of great confusion seems to be... Um, what you are allowed to do whilst on furlough and you know you're not allowed to do things like um, perform services for your employer generate fees or income or anything like that um, but you are allowed to train are there any complications with training whilst on furlough yes so something to consider with training um, there's still a lot of debate around what people can and can't do when it comes to work and everyone keeps getting caught up on this you cannot generate an income but in basically the guidance i've been given my clients is if it's currently in their job description and they're doing it they're working whether it's generating yeah. an income or not however 
training um, is a different entity and that actually will help with their health and well-being at the moment as well and keep their brain active and help them focus on something different but you need to be aware that when somebody is undergoing training that needs to be logged as training hours and a different rate of pay will apply for those hours because there is an expectation that people are paid at 100% of their salary for any training hours. Um, and there's, there is a bit of a calculation you need to look at at that because it is affected by the recent national minimum and living wage changes as well. Yeah, it's, it's not as simple as when is the pay date, when did the training happen? There's complications, which we'll not go into now. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll answer that if people have got that as an issue. Um, mm -hmm. And I suppose there's another interesting question here about people who've already got a, a holiday booked. And let's, let's say I say, well, actually, you're going on six weeks furlough. And within that six weeks, there's a week's worth of training that was already scheduled and a week's worth of holiday that was already scheduled. We've covered the training. What, what happens on holiday? Can, can they just withdraw that because they don't need to use it anymore? Or what's, what's the rule on holiday? Okay, so with holidays, holidays, um, approvals, taking them will always be under business discretion. The, again, the guidance has changed numerous times on this. It went from you couldn't have holidays to, to then ACAS changed their guidance two weeks ago, but they didn't really announce it. We spotted it um, in their documentation. Um, and I know for my clients, I announced it very quickly. But the general guidance is on holiday that if they have already got holidays booked within a furlough period, they can still have those holidays. And the company can still insist that you take them. Um, if the employee wishes to cancel them, that is company discretion, they are not obligated to cancel them and the person can still take them. But again, the rate of pay is different when they're on holiday and they need to be aware of the calculation on what you can claim and what you pay the individual are two different things. But there is a common sense approach that says um, there's going to be very few companies that are in a position to allow people to cancel the holidays and to take them at a later time. And yes, the legislation has changed, but you can carry it up to four weeks over for two years however that's going to be very difficult for some businesses so where holidays are already booked um, then the general advice on giving to employees that are going to struggle to move them and struggle to pay them at a later date is that they allow them to go through and they consider that in the application um, to payment and um, the claim but they also need to consider that bank holidays are normally taken as holidays as well so if people if where we've had three or four bank holidays during this period, um, there is still normally an obligation where people normally take a bank holiday out of their holiday entitlement because it's built in. They still take that as holidays, but where people may have one or two weeks booked, then most employers, because their employees still continue to accrue holidays, are taking them holidays during that period. Um, and again, it all comes down to company discretion and affordability. Yeah, because obviously we don't know how long lockdown is going to last, but what you don't want is lockdown to go on six or nine more weeks and then all of a sudden everyone comes back and not only have they got all the holidays they had anyway they've accrued another 12 weeks worth of you know pro rata holidays whilst on furlough you could see people not back at work or you know till practically christmas eve which of course most businesses couldn't really cope with not having any staff for that long so have you, have you got any tips on those businesses who put people on furlough about managing the holidays that accrue and what I mean by that, for people who don't get that, is if someone was furloughed for three months of the year, mm -hmm. they still get three months worth of the equivalent holiday that is built up during that time. So arguably they might have another week to use 
of holiday that's accrued whilst on furlough, is it good practice to suggest people use that before they come back, or, or are you kicking it down the line? What, what's 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 advice on that? Each business, um, every business is going to be different, and again, it depends on affordability. Um, and what kind of business they are. So for example, where I've got businesses that have blackout periods because of the nature of what they can do, they're gonna struggle to fit them in. And they may already have rules throughout the year that they have to set, take so many weeks within certain months. Um, so obviously the biggest thing is about talking to your employees. So they absolutely know what's expected of them um, and it's agreed forward and there's no surprises for them. Um, if there's bank holidays in there, um, then I normally advise keep them in there, otherwise they will just be additional holiday that you've got to book on at the end of this. Um, and if they have got holidays booked, if someone's stating, well, I was planning to go away and I can't go away, that's not always a reason to allow them to cancel it and move it because very few, you know, not everyone can afford to go away. Holidays, the legal term is four weeks a year break and rest from your business they are getting the opportunity to rest. So it's very reasonable to ask them to use the holidays, especially the ones that are going to accrue. Yeah. It, it it doesn't necessarily mean vacation, does it? Just means time away from. No, it doesn't. The, 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 there's hundreds of other variations of complications within there, and I appreciate that. What what if you say you know some businesses might have had this, and we, we certainly know from from our our support group on this, we we know this has happened at least once. Um, employees have refused to go on furlough, or more critically, have refused to come back from furlough. You seem to prefer it on furlough. I mean, where, where do employers stand there then, Megan? So um, I'll tackle those two differently. So for someone refusing to go on furlough, um, the problem is if someone's been told that they're furloughed, it's because there's been a downturn in work, their job is at risk, and this is a way of protecting their job to enable the business to recover and for them to have a job to come back to. And the business should only be considering this for furlough if they're in that position. So if somebody's refusing to go on furlough, then they're effectively at risk of being made redundant because the business cannot afford to have them. Yeah. So they actually risk losing their job by not going on furlough. However, there is occasions where people have refused furlough. Um, I know of one particular situation, somebody earning in excess of £100,000 a year in their position. They just handed their three months notice in um, and notice periods are payable in full um, rather than furlough when someone's handed their notice period in. So they refused to be furloughed because they were only going to get the £2,500 max per month, whereas because they'd already handed their notice period in and legislation stated the company had to pay the full notice period pay, um, they were going to lose too much money. So they, they did refuse in that particular case. That's interesting. And, and also, they haven't got a bridge to burn. They, they don't mind. No, they haven't. Open. They've got a new job to go to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're right, though. I suppose it's about working pragmatically with your employees. What, what, what about the refusal to come back from furlough, then? So, again, if, if your businesses are bringing you back from furlough, they're bringing you back from furlough because they're stating that there is now a requirement for you to work and there's work for you to do or the business is reopening and they need you to come back to work. So if you're refusing to be furloughed and the work exists, well, already they're going to fail a criteria to put a claim in for you at 80% because there is work for you to do and your job is no longer at risk. So you can, so effectively what you're doing, you can't be refused to take off furlough, but what 
that person is doing is they're effectively refusing to come back to work. So obviously I would always explore their mental health on this because they could have gone through, you know, as a, as, as a welfare, make sure that person's okay and understand what, why they're refusing to come back. I'm going to assume when the person's refusing to come back in place, that there's nothing underlying that's preventing them from doing it. And the company has put all of the practical DSEs, health and safety precautions in place in the contract allows for it. Um, and they have been informed to come back and all the processes are being followed. So if somebody's refusing to come back off furlough, they're effectively refusing to come back into work when they're required to work because that role exists. So basically, if they're refusing to come back, then it's unpaid leave. Um, and it could even lead to disciplinary and dismissal because it's a reasonable request for them to return to work. Yeah. So it's a huge risk for someone to refuse to, fur to come back off furlough. Because once the furlough is over, as you say, we're, we're back to normal rules. You can't just refuse to go to work. It, the furlough's gone, it's been and gone. You can't unreasonably refuse to come to work, can you? Um, Nikki, is, is, no. is there a danger here that, you know, once this is all settled, we're going to, you know, get a year down the line. Is there a risk here that employees who, let's say an employer's got 50 employees and the furlough, 30 of them, is there a risk from those 30 that they'll claim they, sh they should have been in the other group or vice versa? I mean, do you need to demonstrate why you've furloughed certain people? Is, is there a risk if you, if, or is it just if that person has no work, then it's, it's obvious or is it more complex? I don't know. It's, it's got to be a justification business by business. Um, and it all comes back to businesses that were forced to close. Normally that would then entail all of the people being furloughed mostly, but there may be some businesses that have been affected by the childcare funding, um, the dental NHS funding, um, where they can only claim for certain percentages of furloughed employees. Um, and where you've got situations of some that, that they've never said every employee has to be furloughed, it's company discretion. The biggest advice I can give is keep notes, notes around your reasons for why certain individuals were furloughed and why some weren't, and make sure there is nothing discriminatory in there that could bite you. Um, and it is an absolute fair reason that there was work, they were able to work from home and they did a job that enabled them to still work from home. Again, furlough for me comes back to, can you justify their job was at risk and there was no work for them to do and they weren't able to work from home? I try to keep it as simple as I can for my clients. And it's just about, you don't have to have war and peace if you ever ask. It's about a common sense approach um, that will be looked at in relation to this. And obviously nothing discriminatory. Cherry picked a a class or a type or you know we've sent all the women home as long as you don't do anything obviously stupid like that then no it, it, you know as long as, as long as you've got a logical basis you've kept people on based on the ones that are the most experienced perhaps because they're the mm -hmm. ones who are going to be most productive for you that makes sense um but perhaps yeah. the complex work is gone and you should keep the more junior people because the complex work is the bit that's been affected it's got to be the work that they mm -hmm. do but then within that, you can't cherry pick groups. You, you, you've got to look at individual people and come up on a proper basis, haven't you? Yeah, and again, it, it comes back to business sector um, all the time, which is which is why I, I take the time to talk to my my clients um, about making sure they furlough the right people and they've considered the right things. Some people have transferable skills when they've been in a business a long time. Um, 
some people might be able to do multiple jobs. So if you've got a certain set of hours and skill that needs doing, um, it needs to be someone that can adapt and do all of those things as well. Um, sometimes people might feel because you've got a lot of apprentices in your business that a lot of apprentices or all of those are quite young. Actually, that's not discriminatory. It's because they're restricted to what they can actually do. So you are going to keep your more experienced people that have got a, a you know a skill set you can use um, across the business. And to be honest, I try and keep it simple as well. And I just say to them, who's the best person to keep into your business? Who's the best person that is going to do a great job for you, be productive, and do it well so that you still have a business at the end of this? Yeah, good advice. Um, Nikki, how, how long notice do you need to give someone who's on furlough? Let, 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 let's say I'm sitting today and everyone's on furlough. They weren't expected to be back for a couple of weeks. Um, they've already done three weeks already, so we've got the qualifying furlough. That's fine. Um, most people will understand that if you bring them back within three weeks, you don't you can't claim anything. But that's a separate mm -hmm. issue. The value of the claim isn't the point here. The question I've got is, let's say I get a huge order in today that I need to start working on mm -hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. What, what, what do I do? So when you originally issued your furlough letters, letters, it would have said in there that there was an expectation they are to remain available for work, um, which is why a lot of people have to get permission from their employees if it was contractual to get another job because they need to still be available at short notice for their current business. So it is it is reasonable and it is acceptable for a business and again depending on industry normally in something like manufacturing for you to pick up the phone and ask an employee to be back at work the next day. Um, I would hope where you've got a bit longer to plan and phase your people back in and plan your business and your return back to the business based upon the guidelines were given that people are given more notice because they might have become certain routines or childcare or things in places and it is about um, having some respect for your people that they've been at home and they might need a few days to get used to coming back so I would, I would certainly hope that the week before they're due back they would be given some notice and it's planned and people are given the heads up on expectations but in some industries if a big order comes in and you're expected to get it out there is going to be an occasion where you might just be asked to come back the next day and on the basis that your original notification would have said you have to be available for work it is reasonable for your employer to ask you to do that okay um and and something i always ask um I only ask two questions. Is there anything you think that will change as a result of this lockdown um, that, that will stick? So behavioural patterns, um, the way people work, people stay at home, maybe happier at home, I don't know. Um, so that's the first question. Do you think there's anything that will change within the workplace or society as a whole even as a result of this lockdown? I do, actually. Um... I think there's there's going to be a couple of things. I think um, one is going to be the flexible work requests in, in regard to people working from home and being able to prove they can work from home is going to increase. Um, and employers are going to have to tread very carefully with those because they will be able to show that people have worked from home and continue to work. Um, so I do think flexible working requests will increase um, to, give, to help people work flexibly. So I'm hoping employers are going to look at people working more flexibly going forward. Um, I also think that there's going to be a much more of a focus on health and well-being of their employees, where they might put employee assistance programs in place or counselling or support or health, you know, healthy um, 
things in place. So for example, Robson Laidler, um, I know you guys are, are platinum at Better Health at Work and you, you have various initiatives in place for the health and wellbeing of your employees. I'm going to hope that businesses are, are now going to see those as fundamentally important um, and start looking ahead on these things and looking after their employees um, on that basis as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's what we've, we've spent the last three or four years actively trying not to just be an employer. Um, I know it sounds corny, yeah. but, um, you know, try, I, I remember a couple of years ago, someone said, oh, it must be great working at your place. You've got walking clubs and all that, all kinds of stuff. And, it, it, you know, people don't realise that it's quite hard work trying to bring in a healthier workplace. And it's not just fitness, it's mind and everything else. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that that wouldn't be a bad thing, I suppose, if 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 people got that in in the flexibility. And I think you make a really interesting point on the request for flexible working. This is now exposed those businesses that can and those that can't. And and within yeah. reason, if you know we're sitting in three months' time and, and lockdown lasts that long, and productivity hasn't dropped, and everyone is just getting on and working. It would be pretty hard to say, no, 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 you've got to come back in. It'll be an interesting question. Um, so we'll see how that one pans out. Yeah, so, so I certainly enjoy working from home. Um, and I don't mind spreading my day out over, you know, 12, 14 hours as appropriate. But, you know, having rests in between. Um, the final question I normally say to people then is if you've got a tip, it doesn't have to be on HR, it doesn't have to be on furlough, it doesn't have to be on COVID. A tip, if, you know, just four people during lockdown, what would, what would you say then? Um, don't forget your people in this. This is not just about your business and following them and bringing them back. Please pick up the phone and talk to your people and ask how they are. People are struggling in this current situation. Um, even the most resilient of people are struggling in this situation. Do not be afraid. You can communicate with your people whilst they're furloughed. Pick up the phone and ask how they are. Show that you care and they're not just a number or a name and on a, on a piece of paper. Genuinely care about your people. From a HR point of view, um, use this as an opportunity to make sure you are absolutely topping and tailing everything HR, your contract, your handbooks, your job descriptions. Absolutely everything is in place. DBS checks, your right to work, your driver's licenses are on file, your personnel files are checked. So get all of these things done, audit your business so that when everyone returns, you know everything is in place to run a great HR side of the business for your people. And you've got time to concentrate on the right people, the right place and their welfare. I, I, I would imagine you've had a lot of conversations with people at the moment, Nikki, where you say, well, what does your contract say? And we can all guess the answer. Yeah. Contract. Yeah, and, and, and actually, um, a real common one that came out at the beginning of this is it's surprising how many people don't have short time working and layoff in their contracts. Um, this was a much easier process to implement when that was in their contract for SMSEs. Um, it, it's not been. And obviously, the advantage of that clause in the contract as we come out of this is it enables businesses to phase the returns back of their people instead of all of a sudden people come in and they can't afford to run the business and pay all of those wages and they make people redundant, it enables them to phase people's hours back in on what they can afford to maintain the jobs in the business. Um, when those clauses are not there, people will expect to come straight back on the hours they're contracted. 
Yeah, good advice there. Thank you very much, Nikki Mostman from Inspired HR. Um, Nikki's contact details will be in the comments on uh, the YouTube comments below this video. If you want to get in touch, I'm sure she'll gladly have a chat and uh, show you where Absolutely. you get right, where you're wrong, perhaps. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? No one's perfect. And if anything has gone wrong, you can always go back and fix it. So just get the right advice and do the right thing by your people and your business. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have a chat and can be contacted. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Martin, um, as always. And um, I'm here if anybody needs me. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.